Welcome to the Grace City Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to hello at gracecityeugene.com. Here's the podcast. We've been in this, this worship, it's a lifestyle sermon series, and I got to be careful. Last time I was up here, I sat on a stool to, to calm myself down, but got some booby traps up here, so we'll see how today goes. Um, last week, we had Pastor Daryl Morrison with us talking about worship as we work through our workplace, what, what that is like, and gosh, didn't he have some amazing stories of what that looked like, some testimonies of how that's played out in his life? Like, I just cannot imagine being in the NFL and functionally discipling the person that they bring in to replace you. Like, what a powerful story he shared, and so we're super grateful for his friendship and the word that he gave us last week, and we're going to continue along uh, in another area of what it looks like to live a lifestyle of worship. Uh, A quick refresher just to frame where we're at today. For the last number of weeks, we've been talking about specifically how in light of everything that Jesus has done for us, we want to do everything for him. It's not so that we can earn something that he would give us. It's not so we can earn being in his good graces or earn salvation. It's because he has done all this for us. There's no other proper response but to live a life of reasonable service to him. To live all of our lives, all areas of our lives, even the ones that you may be hesitant to live in reasonable service to Jesus. And this is what it looks like to live a lifestyle of worship, not just to come to a moment where we sing worship or where we maybe worship through giving or where we go to a worship concert, but to live a lifestyle, non-compartmentalized, where we have Jesus stuff and non-Jesus stuff, but everything for him. We talked about how worship is about formation, if you recall, and what we worship will form us. You guys remember that. What we worship will form us, and you can be conformed by the world or to the world, or you can be transformed by Jesus in the gospel truth. These were all foundational things as we talked about this series and what we were embarking upon. And as a community, we chose to be transformed by Jesus, and we make an ongoing decision that we want to be transformed by Jesus. Yes, this world's going to try to form us, but we want to make an intentional choice day after day to be transformed by Jesus and give our lives everything that we have, everything we are, over to him. And over the last number of weeks and for the next three weeks after today, we've been looking at various areas of our lives to see what it looks like to give Jesus control, lordship, governance in those areas. We've looked at church, like the local church. We've looked at community and relationships. We've looked at faith and obedience hospitality, what it looks like to worship through our struggles, and last week with Pastor Daryl in our work. And today, we are going to talk about our precious resources, our precious resources being time and money, the things that everybody likes to talk about and hear about when they come to church on a Sunday morning. So how do we live a life of worship, giving all of ourselves to God, being transformed by the gospel in the area of time and money? Another way we could put it is how do we live a life of worship with how we steward our resources? How do we live a life of worship with how we steward our resources? Before we get to the solution, 
we have to acknowledge just the general problem that our culture in the West and society in general um, has with this. I think it would be fair to say that as a general population or a mindset in our population, it's becoming harder and harder to be content with where we're at these days, isn't it? Like, there is no lack of information. There's no lack of knowing what potential things there are or what things we could have or what is out there. I listened to a great TED Talk called The Paradox of Choice, and it talked about how, like, back in the day when you went to get a pair of blue jeans, there was blue jeans, and your only decision was which size fits you the best, right? And so you went and got blue jeans, and you left, and you went home with your blue jeans, and you were perfectly happy with them because you didn't sit there and wonder, did I get the right jean? Did I get the right cut? Was it right color? Was it the right material? Was it stretchy enough? Like, you didn't have to worry about all of those. And today, you go in to get jeans, and you're just like, ah, right? Like, how am I going to make the right choice? There's so many decisions. There's so many options. And we are flooded with options that we leave making most decisions, wondering if we made the right one, if there could be a better one that we should have chosen. And it has actually like made us like unhappy with so much of what we do. It's hard to be content because the options are endless. And inside, like subconsciously, we just never know if we make the right choice with things. Now, media, commercials, influencer lifestyle, Pinterest, darn Pinterest, all of these things contribute to this, this idea, like, can I be content? Is this good enough? Well, this person did this. I got to live up to this expectation. Advertising, for instance, is a big business, and it preys on people's subconscious thought of, well, what if? Well, if only. If I only had that, then I could. <laughs> If I only had this, then I would feel this. And so much of our world is oriented about or around the what ifs and the if I only, that it's really hard to just be content with what we have been given, with what we've been entrusted, and move forward faithfully in that. Can, can we agree in some level that this is kind of where we're at? Okay, I'm not crazy. Well, that's a separate question, maybe. <clears throat> it's really hard to not get caught up in this mindset. Um, and it, it, it's just all around us. I can't think of how many times, whether I watch something on you know, streaming or I'm on social media or whatever it is, it's just, it just inundates us. But as we think about being content, as we think about the resources we've been given, how we steward them, our mindset or our, our frame of mind around them, we need to realize that much has been entrusted to us, and because of that, much is required from us. Like, God has given us, if we're in the West, like, we live in the United States, like, not a lot to complain about as far as what we have and what's available to us and the resources that have been entrusted to us. And so, instead of being discontent because we want more, 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 maybe the mindset we should go into a talk like this with is, okay. God really has blessed me with where he's planted me, the resources that I have access to. He's entrusted a lot to me, to, to our community and our society in general. How, how do we steward that well? What is required of me because of what's been entrusted to me? And if we change our mindset that way, I think that that can help us overcome this problem of just being discontent, always trying to get more, 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 more out of whatever situation we find ourselves in. So that's, that's a little bit of the problem. Now, how does worship fit into that? How does worship fit into that? 
Psalm 24, 1 tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein. In other words, in Chris' translation, the CZ translation, everything is God's. Everything. All of it. Every person, every created thing, every dollar, every animal, every opportunity, God has his hands on. And so, A, who are we to be discontent with what we currently have? And B, who are we to question when we are called to change our paradigm of lifestyle to be generous and obedient in how we utilize our resources? If it's all God's everywhere anyway, I didn't earn it. I didn't, my awesomeness didn't acquire the things that have been entrusted to me. My God entrusted those to me. When we have that mindset, then it becomes an act of worship in how we steward it, how we offer it up, how we give it back, how we see it function in our everyday lives. We've said this before in this sermon series. We will all worship something. We will all worship something. So the question as we get into this is, will we worship our time and our money, or will we worship with it? Will we worship our resources, or will we use our resources as an expression or a means to worship? Will we be worshipful with how we steward the things that are entrusted to us? You see, the giving of tithes and offerings to worship Jesus is an expression of the relationship between the individual giver and the Lord. Funds are not some income transaction. It's not a country club membership that you pay to be in God's grace so he can really make you have the holy tingles when you raise your hand in worship. Like, that's not what we give for. It's not some transactional thing. It is an act of worship, not a business transaction. It's an expression of gratitude toward God for what he has done in our lives and what we believe in faith he will continue to do in redeeming this earth that he's planted us in. The Bible teaches us that the tithe, or giving of finances, is an essential component to the life of a disciple. An essential component. And now when we see generosity in our resources, biblically, a lot of these things where it talks about money and it talks about time and it talks about priorities, there's just a lot of overlap. So forgive me if from time to time I mention one and I don't fully unpack the other. We don't have all day. But just know, like we're talking resources and time and money have a lot of overlap as far as the biblical concepts with them. So we worship God as we give him our resources, as we trust our resources to him, as we acknowledge that we have them because he's given them to us, and because of what he's entrusted to us, we have a responsibility. We have a role to play in that, and we get to trust him for ongoing provision instead of trusting our ability to put things in compartments and special little places and hide them away for a rainy day. I am not saying don't invest. I go with Dylan for my financial advisor, okay? He's sitting in the front row. I'm not saying don't invest, but I'm saying your investments are not your God. You don't worship your investments. You worship God and you invest out of the rest. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's a mindset thing. I don't acquire money just to build up my wealth because all of you know I've failed at that and I shouldn't be up here teaching about it if that's the case, Right? We acquire money because God blesses it with us and we get to, or blesses us with it and we get to steward it and be a blessing wherever it is he's planted it. Similarly with our time. 
God blesses us with time and abilities and skills and this like equation of things that, that we put in to, to get output out of what we do with our time. Sometimes that's rest and Sabbath. We get to hear about that next week. Sometimes it's missional. It's evangelistic. Sometimes it's just like being with God because who doesn't want to be with their dad, right? Their heavenly father, the one who created them. Sometimes it's pouring into your family. Sometimes it's at work. We use our time somewhere But how do we use it in a way that is worshipful to God and that points others to him? And that's some of what we are going to dig into today. So as as we get into this, I just want to give a few brief working definitions or a framework for what we believe, how we believe the Bible calls us just generally to steward our finances and our time. If this is something you want to dive into in more depth, This fall, we'll be getting growth track going again, which is our membership course where we teach through foundations and we dig into this stuff. Um, But just for the sake of like a baseline for this conversation, uh, I got a couple verses and then a couple ways that we teach and we believe God calls us to interact with, specifically money and time. First in Leviticus 27, it says, a tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections have to be made. Again, we can dig more into this in the conversation if you're wanting, but we're just setting a framework here. So there's three ways in which we are called to engage in giving. First is the tithe. The tithe is the first fruits of our labor or income, and we believe those belong to God. We find this principle throughout all of God's word, that tithing is giving the first 10% of our income to the local church. It's a practical way that we acknowledge that God is first. He holds the primary spot in our lives. He is king, he is Lord, he is number one, and that's why it's important that we give our first fruits back to him. The second is an offering. It's another way that we can give. An offering is giving over and above the tithe. The Bible says that by giving generously, we are able to take hold of the life that is truly life. Another way to put it is you aren't really living unless you are freely giving. If you have experienced a life of being abundantly generous for others and for the sake of the kingdom of God, you know that to be true that man, life is so much richer when you are abundantly giving and when you are generous with what God has entrusted to you. So we believe tithe is that first 10%, goes to the local church, supporting missionaries and all of that stuff would be offering above and beyond the tithe. And then there's some people that just have what the Bible calls the spiritual gift of giving, the gift of giving. And this is a spiritual gift that God gives some people. It's referenced in Romans 12, 8. And it's a spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God by giving of your material resources, far above and beyond the baseline standards of being a disciple of Jesus. It's not to further your status with God, it's to further the kingdom of God. And he does put a spirit-given call on some people's lives that he gives the resources and trusts them with the resources so they can be an abundant, generous blessing for the sake and the work of the kingdom of God. Amen? And all of us have our places. That's not saying, hey, everybody, go sell everything. Like, Some people are called to do that, some aren't, but this is the framework for what it looks like to engage in financial generosity in the church. 
So then you have to ask, well, what are some of the similar principles with our time? Well, I go to church on Sundays, like, awesome. That is an expression of worship. That is engaging community. That is absolutely worshipful to God. Other ways that you can do it are through maybe engaging in a small group, through serving, through doing outreach or serving in your neighborhood. Like anything that you are giving out of your resources, in this case being your time, your effort to bring worship and glory to God is a way of expressing yourself or your time in a similar way that we just talked about to money. How are you directing people to God through the way in which you use your time? How are you being generous with that? How are you blessing others and pointing to God as your provider and sustainer in those things? Strangely enough, this area of generosity is actually one of the things that God says, "Ah, go ahead, test me in this. Go ahead, test me in this. In Malachi, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Test me in this. There must be something to it if God takes that kind of stance with it. It must be important. There's something about how we steward the resources he's bestowed upon us that like it really enriches our intimacy and relationship with him when we trust him with that, when we test him on provision and sustaining us in those ways. <clears throat> so how are we called to live out stewardship of our time and our money as an act of worship? Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. There's circumstances and situations you will run into every day where you have an opportunity to worship God with your time and money, and I'm not going to be able to list them all because each of us have like <clears throat> unique interactions, unique relationships where these opportunities come. But I believe these are some guiding principles of how we can live a life of worship and how we steward our resources. The first is our attitude. Say your mindset, if you will. Our attitude as we steward them. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 say this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully, or in the Greek, with blessing, will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he or she has decided in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but here it is. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, verse 6 is a whole sermon in and of itself, the concept of sowing and reaping, right? And you don't, like, reap generosity if you're not sowing it. If I want apples, I don't plant an orange tree, right? Like, what you sow, what you plant, you will reap. And so God calls us to be generous and bring glory to him and serve him in what we plant, and then it will come back around to us, this concept of sowing and reaping. But as far as our attitude and our mindset goes, God says, don't just do this out of some religious expression. Don't just do it because you feel obligated. Like, don't be coerced into it. But God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And now sometimes, just like if you're going to start working out, you don't like going the first couple weeks. If you do, maybe that's just how you are. I don't. When I'm trying to get back in a rhythm those first couple weeks, it's like, Uh uh-uh, this is not fun. I do not like it, but I know what it's going to yield, so I'm going to stick with it, at least in January, right? New Year's resolution time. 
That doesn't mean I just really don't feel super excited about giving, so I'm not going to (laughs) start. You got to start. If God's calling you to do something, you got to start somewhere. But be cheerful about it. Be expectant about the joy and the Christ-like character that's going to be developed in that. Your attitude should be one of cheerful and joyous hearts. Like, that's how we should approach giving. And if you're struggling with it and you're processing through it, talk with somebody. And I encourage you, talk to somebody who is generous and who is being obedient and faithful in their giving. Don't go talk to the skeptical person that says, oh, I'd never give a dollar to the church. I'd never be, no, I earned that money. Like, it's probably not the best person to go to for advice. Talk to someone who's bearing the fruit, who has been where you want to head and see what perspective God may speak to you through them. Talk it out. That's why we're in community. Hash these things out. But God desires us to be cheerful givers. He desires for this to be a joyous expression of what we, like, we, he's done for us, and we get to express worship back to him through that. The second thing is faithfulness. Being faithful, being consistent, being committed. Matthew 25, 21 says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Another way of thinking about this is be faithful each step of the way and see that, what, that God will entrust you with more. See that God will entrust you with more. What has he entrusted you with right now? And be faithful, be consistent, be committed with that and see what's next. See what comes next as you're faithful with each step. You see, something that we struggle with especially in the U.S., is the idea that like, we think we're just kind of entitled to some things. Like, I see that. That's where I'm headed. I want to be there now. But the reality is we're not entitled to fruitfulness that can only come through faithfulness. We're not entitled to the fruit if we're not willing to put in the work of faithfulness to get us there. Like The fruitfulness is often yielded by our faithfulness to God's call and being faithful and obedient to how he calls us to live, to be a disciple. Family, we cannot take some tram or gondola over the valleys and the challenges that encounter us along the way. We have to be faithful in those valleys, faithful in those challenges, faithful in the small things, sometimes in the seemingly insignificant things and seasons. And being faithful in each step leads to the fruit. Faithful in each step. And as you are faithful, you enter into the joy of your master, the joy of your creator, the joy of your father, a joy that surpasses understanding. Are you feeling a lack of joy right now? I know plenty of people are after this last couple of years. Be consistently committed to being generous with the resources God has entrusted to you for the sake of others and for the sake of extending his kingdom and enter into the joy of your master. See what he does in you as you are faithful in expressing the things that he's called you to do in your everyday life. Be faithful, consistent, committed. One of the most important ones is the direction of our heart towards these things. If you guys have been around here enough, you know, like, we'll distill darn near every topic down to just the heart, right? Like, what's the direction of our heart? 
And that doesn't mean you have to be at a destination of how your heart's feeling about something, but it means we're directed towards Jesus. We're headed towards him. We're taking steps day after day of taking on the character, the integrity, and the likeness of Christ and how our heart receives and interacts with these things where we get the opportunity to be worshipful. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Think about that for a second. Your heart is linked to your treasure. Your heart is linked to your treasure. So you got to ask yourself, if, if we read that in the Bible, then we have to consider, okay, what's my treasure or what do I treasure? Right? What's my treasure or what do I treasure? For most people, it's their time, it's their money, and it's certain relationships in their lives. Is that fair? That encompasses a lot of what we treasure or what our treasure is. Our money, our time, and certain relationships in our lives. So let's start with, a, with the easy one here. The heart follows what you treasure. You treasure your kids if you're a parent, if God's blessed you in that way. If your kid moves to a new country or a city, you suddenly care about that place, don't you? Your heart is linked to that place. You suddenly have skin in the game as far as that place. You prioritize and pray for that place that your child is now living or on mission or is relocated to because your heart is linked to it. Before Bree moved here, I guarantee you her parents and her family didn't care at all about Oregon. They didn't care at all about it. But now they care about Oregon. They pray for our church. They pray for you when they meet you. They're always asking, how, how are people doing? Oh my gosh, the wildfires happened in Oregon. Is everybody okay? That wouldn't have been something they cared about if their heart wasn't linked here because something they treasured was here. And now it's their grandkids as well. And we all know you treasured grandkids probably more than you treasure your kids. And we can, we can be honest about that. Because you just get the fun times and then send them home hopped up on sugar for the parents to take care of. But where, what you treasure and where your treasure, the things that you treasure, your, your heart is linked. And we can see that with kids. What about time? What about our time? We get the honor of doing premarital counseling for couples in our church that are getting ready to get married as they prepare for marriage. And it's a significant amount of time that we invest in these individuals and in this marriage, in this future marriage. And we love it. Personally, I'll just speak for myself. It's one of my favorite things I get to do. And it's an honor. But you can bet that on that wedding day and forward, our heart is linked to that marriage. We've invested in it. We've poured time into it. We've shared laughter. We've shared tears. We've talked through hard things and trauma and all this stuff. Our heart is linked because we've invested time into it. Amen? Where we invest our time, these precious resources, our heart is linked to it. And you can bet that when we walk with a couple in preparation for their marriage, that we're invested in the success of that marriage. You can bet that the call comes like, hey, we're speaking two different languages right now. Could you come over and help translate? Absolutely, because we've got this far. We've got this far. I've had the conversations 
where somebody's like, no, nope, this is over. I can't do this anymore. Now, the heck it is. <laughs> and part of it's out of selfishness. I've invested too much in this, but your heart's linked to it, right? You're like, nah, you ain't quitting. We talked about this. This is not an option. We're not, no, because we're linked, our hearts in that. We're invested where our treasure is. And in that case, there's a relationship that's treasured and there's an investment of our time where we've poured out our resources that is linked to our heart. And finally, money, everybody's favorite. Do you know how many people now care about Eugene that didn't give a squat about Eugene before this church started? I was one of them. <laughs> like, seriously, how many of you went to Oregon State, right? Like, this wasn't a place that you're like, yeah, God bless Eugene, right? No. But you know the main reason there's a bunch of people that care about Eugene and care about the University of Oregon campus and care about what happens here on a Sunday and the gospel transformation that's happening and they ask questions and they're invested in it because they've either supported us as we've moved down here financially or they've supported Casey or they've supported somebody else that is part of this church and part of the mission. And as they give of their treasure, of their money to that, man, do they care? Do they love to hear the stories of, as the beavers say, those darn ducks getting saved and seeing Jesus' gospel transformation in their lives? Because their heart is linked where their finances are, their treasure and their heart are linked. I think you guys get the picture. But where we invest our resources is attached to our heart, our passions, our priorities. It reveals what we care about and what we're passionate about. Fair, right? Like, we get that. I don't think I need to give you any more examples. So where our treasure is, our heart also is. And as we give our money and our time to the extension of God's kingdom, there is nothing that our heart can be more significantly attached to or more importantly attached to than God's redemptive purpose here on earth. To see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> Another aspect of this, of our heart condition is our availability. Have you ever thought about that? Like so often we think about our ability. Do we have the skills to accomplish something? We think about our willingness, our, our intention in things. But is our heart directed in a way that we are actually available to engage in what God's called us into? Is our, is our availability or our heart engaged in a way that says, yes, I'm, I can be obedient. I will be obedient in this. Because willingness and, obedient, or willingness and ability are a great start. But is your heart available to give of your time, to let people in, to let them into your home, to let them into your lives, to care about them some days more than you care about yourself and your own family because they are also God's children. They are family and they are someone that God's called you to as he's planted you here in this community. Are you available to expand your view of family and to be a part of extending God's kingdom? Is your heart directed to Jesus in a way that you are emotionally and spiritually available for the work he has called you to? Are you willing to put into action what your head tells you is proper or correct? Are you available? 
And our availability is often determined by the direction of our heart. Has our heart been hurt? And so we're fortifying. Our heart is inward right now, making sure we're taken care of, we're protected, my family's taken care of, and we're just trying to survive so we're not even thinking about what's out there and what God may have planted right in front of our faces. Or are we open? Are we available to engage in whatever God sets before us? And oftentimes that will require a sacrifice of these precious resources of our treasures. We worship God as we are available and obedient and faithful with these things. And the final one is we've got to make these things a priority. We've got to look at our priorities. Proverbs 3.9 simply says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Now, it's not just a mandate for farmers. It's not just a mandate for somebody with a fruit stand. Think about it this way. For all your produce or all that you do produce, okay? Like, just, just add that on if you need to to fully understand that. God will provide for you all of the time and money you need to fulfill what he has called you to do. He is not a God of lack, but he is a God who cares about your priorities, if you are lacking in your resources, if you are lacking in time or money to accomplish something that is clearly in front of you, it's not a decision of what am I going to withhold necessarily or, oh, let's just hoard and not do anything because I don't know what to do. God, what are my priorities? What are you calling me to do right now? And what are you calling me to set aside for the next season, the next week, the next month, whatever it is? God will provide you everything you need to do what he has called you to do but he's not going to provide for your seasonal or momentary disobedience. So if you're, if you're experiencing some lack, if you're experiencing some confusion in the area of provision, it is not a reflection on his provision. It's a reflection on priorities. How do we need to realign our priorities? And I know that one stings. You can send me an email, chris at gracecityeugene.com, and we can talk about it. But what is taking priority with your time, with your money, with your generosity? And maybe what is currently taking priority that God hasn't called you to give that place yet? That doesn't mean it's not important. It doesn't mean that it's not like a good thing. It just means it's not what you're supposed to do right now. And I think we've all experienced those things. We have a plethora of things we can engage in. And let's say all of them are good things, but that doesn't mean that all of them are ordained things by God in that moment. Some things are for different seasons. Some things are the next step. Some things are the next year. And we have to be okay with that because when we live our life in a worshipful manner, giving everything to him, that means we give him our list of priorities and we say, God, which one's most important? And as we go through them and we believe that he has aligned the priorities of our family and we look at those and, okay, we're running into a resource lack right now. Okay, maybe that's where on our priority list we're supposed to stop right now. That doesn't mean, oh, well, let's take from this one to give to this one. It just says, oh, maybe we need to stop there right now. And we need to trust God and see what he'll do. And maybe we get to invite other people into that thing as well. You never know. But God is not a God of lack. He will provide everything that you need to fulfill what he's called you to do in any given moment. He will. <clears throat> but he's not going to provide for your disobedience and you to fulfill what he's called you to do. 
And so we need to make sure we're seeking him for our priorities, that our priorities are aligned in a manner that brings glory to him, that is worshipful to him, that indicates both in our families and our own hearts and to those that may look in, that this is a place where priorities are set according to God and what he cares about, where there's alignment there. Worship team, you can come back up. So as we leave this, like, okay, it's great. Thanks for all those great phrases, Pastor. But we don't discuss these things. We don't point these things out just so we can be like, okay, that's cool. And we can either choose to accept or reject certain things and walk out and just do a bunch of the same. I believe God's calling each one of us to take a step in some area towards him, towards being more worshipful with how we steward the resources he has entrusted to us. So what will your worship look like in the area of time and money? What will your attitude be? Will it be one of cheerfulness? Will it be one of joy? Will it be one of trust? Will you be faithful? Will you be consistent and committed to what God has called you to do? What will the direction of your heart be? Will it be just trying to take step after step just to pursue God's truth and what he has called you to do and how he's called you to live? Will your heart be headed in a direction that is after him? And will you align your priorities with the priorities of your creator, of your king? Family, I think a few of the largest things that the Western church runs into as issues are within what we've talked about today. And judging by some of the looks on faces, or at least eyes, because your mouths are covered from one last week, and judging by how some of these things just make me feel as I proclaim truth in them, we're not all so different in this. There's things in here that I believe each one of us need to evaluate. We need to repent from our heart being directed away from God, and we need to turn and run towards him. I don't know which area it is for you. I'm happy to chat about it, pray through it if you would like. But at the end of the day, there are plenty of things in here that will challenge our flesh. But if we choose... God over the flesh, there's plenty of things that bring worship to him. So I guess the choice boils down to, to be oversimplified. Do you want to follow yourself or do you want to follow God? Now you can expound upon that. And of course there's nuance in these things. And I get that crisis and tragedy and things happen. And there's grace for that. But at the end of the day, we live in a culture, especially coming out of this pandemic, where the majority of people are relationally and emotionally unavailable to steward their resources in a way that honors God. Because like we've been conditioned to be the opposite, right? Bring that drawbridge up. Add a couple other like layers to the walls around the city. Like we just, it's been in survival mode for so long. 
But when I read my Bible, when I look at the life of Jesus, when persecution and challenge comes, I don't see an attitude of survival. I see an opportunity to thrive. And as we trust God through the challenges, through the poor circumstances, through the temptation of our flesh and the desires that we may selfishly have, and as we pursue him in that, we get to experience thriving in our life, a thriving life of worship that otherwise would just be absent at an arm's length. We just wouldn't get to experience that. And so I I plead with you. Would we check our attitude? Would we be faithful, consistent? Would we be committed to directing our heart toward God, to being available to what he's called us to do? Not just acknowledging that that is good, but actually like being available to walk that out. And would we allow God to dictate our priorities so that we can see this world changed for the better, so that we can continue to see glimpses of God's kingdom, of his transformative power all around us. And I don't, I I can't think of any more like worshipful expression than to be able to contribute to those things with how we steward our time, our money, and all of these things that we talked about today. So as I pray to close, I just ask you to consider those things. Like honestly, really consider them. Not like yeah, yeah, I got a lot to do today, Pastor. I'll get to it. I'll go listen to the sermon again because I was kind of distracted and then I'll consider like, no, nah, just what is God calling you to repent from? Which means turn away from, turn your heart from it and go towards him. <laughs> What's he calling you to change direction in? What are we headed toward that is leading to destruction and a lack of worship that he actually wants us to bring to come into a fulfillment and fullness of worship in? And I believe with all my heart as you do that, he's going to meet you in such a unique, spirit-filled, intimate way in those places. The, it, the joy that's going to come out of that. The fulfillment of your God-given purposes that will come out of that. I, I'm just excited to see it. So I'm going to pray that we would take those steps. That we would turn from the earthly things run to the godly things in these areas of our lives and that it would honor him as a manner of a lifestyle of worship. So let's pray. God, I thank you. Thank you for highlighting these things and even though there's inherent challenges in discussing and considering these things, God, we trust your grace. We trust your Holy Spirit as the comforter, the counselor, the advocate the one who empowers us to even live the life that you've called us to live. We trust you to enter into this moment and bring conviction and correction on our hearts and help us to walk out these areas, this lifestyle of worship with our time and money the way that you have called us to. God, I pray for an increased level of faithfulness and I pray for an increased heart direction towards you. Would you help us each to flee from the things that would take us away from you and just run to our Father's arms. We thank you that this is a part of living a lifestyle of worship. Would you bring clarity to us in these areas? Would you help us to support one another, to have conversations, and no matter where someone is, that it wouldn't be one of judgment, but one of celebration that we are taking steps toward you. So we thank you for your word. We thank you for your church and your community. And God, we thank you for this life that you've given us and called us into. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.
Amen.